Listen, uh, my strong sense during this time of social distancing, self-quarantine, self-isolation, and uh, all these other new phrases that we are using to describe ourselves and the society to which we belong, that we need to understand uh, who we are as the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, we are either in Christ or we are in the world. We're either in Christ or we are in the world. We're either of Christ or we are of the world. Uh, these uh, two are mutually exclusive. The, you are either in Christ or you're in, the, you're of the, in and of the world. Uh, they are mutually exclusive. And what we mean by mutually exclusive is that they both can't be true at the same time. So I want us to understand the amazing responsibility and privilege we have as the people of God. I always talk to you and teach you Jesus because Jesus is God's absolute best. That means there's no room for anyone else to share that absoluteness with Jesus. And I want to teach today from several scriptures, and I would like to look at Colossians chapter 1. We'll start in verse 15. We'll read through 18, but we consider several others. Uh, I want to read these to just give you an idea. We've been talking about the church. The church is an invincible uh, entity or organism. It is an unstoppable organism, an unbeatable organism, an unshakable organism. That's who we are by definition of God himself. Because Jesus told us, upon this rock, I will build my church. And Jesus is not speaking of just words. Jesus is speaking of his own personage. He says, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not, will not, will not prevail against it. And so that means that no matter what comes against you, how formidable it may seem, it cannot destroy uh, you as the church of Jesus Christ. And so in verse 15, he gives us some understanding of Jesus, because I think the last time I was teaching, I was, uh, last two times actually, I was teaching on Jesus as being the head of the church. Or well, that was a great portion of my teaching, that he is the head of the church. And so that is going to be uh, iterated and reiterated uh, uh, during uh, this message today as well, because we have no greater person than Jesus Christ. Everything that we have received from God, we received it through Jesus Christ. Everything that we are in God, we are that because of Jesus Christ. The breath that we are, uh, have now in our lungs is through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ is, is without a doubt the most important person in human history. He is the most important person in the history of the earth. He is the most important person in the history of the universe. Jesus Christ. And, so, and I absolutely love him because he saved me. He saved me. I feel almost like uh, telling my Joe boy story because he saved me. So my life is now his, totally his. Now let's read in Colossians 1.15 and find out a little bit more about Jesus. And when we see these things of Christ, we see also the church. I want to say that. I don't want, don't want you to stray away and think that, okay, that's Jesus, but the church is a different matter. No, the true church is all that I'm going to read here. The visible church is much different. All right, everybody in the quote-unquote visible church is not in the true church. But that's not the message today. The, I'm, my, message, my message today is the church, part four. And we're talking about headship. 
Verse 15. He, Jesus, we're speaking of Jesus. Jesus is the he. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn Jesus, over all creation. For by him, Christ Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him, through Jesus Christ, and for him, Jesus Christ. And he, Christ Jesus, is before all things, and in him, Jesus, all things consist. And he, Christ Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, uh, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he, Christ Jesus, may have the preeminence. Now, we want to go back and just look quickly at, at what we have said concerning Jesus. Jesus, the image, the representation of, and manifestation of God. The exact image, the representation and manifestation of God. Number two, he is the firstborn. That means that he preceded the creation. He preceded the creation, and he is sovereign over the creation. He is the Lord over the creation. He preceded it. He, therefore, he cannot be a part of it. Some claim that Jesus is created. He'll be a part. He'll, he is a part of it. No, he is uncreated life. Number three, he is the creator. This is what Paul is telling us in Colossians. He is the creator. That means all things were created by him, through him, and for him. So Jesus is the creator. Number four, he is the head of the church. Very, very important. And we cannot stress this enough because when we go through difficult times, we have to be reminded. We have to be reminded oftentimes. Growing up as a little kid, my parents had to remind me that I was their child. You are, you are a, a Lavelle. You belong to Orlean and Lina Lavelle. You belong to Orlean and Lina Lavelle. You can't do what everybody's doing. And so that's, that's what the Word of God screams out to us. So Jesus is the head of the church, and that, that has so, brings so much uh, with it. And we, perhaps we'll get into it more later, but that means that everything that the head is, the body is. Everything that the head is, the body is. And that, that news is so amazingly good, it's actually too good for me. And, and if I may say, too good for you. Nevertheless, God willed it to be so. Number five, Christ is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. He conquered death. Jesus Christ is the first person to rise from the dead, never to die again. Jesus Christ conquered death. Number six, all the fullness of God dwells in him. All the fullness of God dwells in him. Now these things come from first uh, uh, Colossians chapter 1 verses 19 and 20. All the fullness of God dwells in him. And what this means is all that the omnipotent God is, all that the omnipresent God is, all that the, the omniscient God is, that means all the all-powerful God, the ever-present God, the all-knowing God, all that is miraculously placed in the body, the personal body of Jesus Christ. The universes of universes cannot contain God, but yet he is contained 
in the container called Jesus Christ. That is huge. That is powerful. That's why the scripture says things like no weapon formed against you can prosper. When you go through the floods, you won't be drowned. When you go through the fire, you won't be burned. And that when the enemies came against you, although they were innumerous, they were so great in number, but they could not defeat you. That's why. That's why the psalmist says, uh, uh, I lay down and slept for the Lord sustained me. Why? Because all of this reality is in the one person, Jesus Christ. And, and so let's look at the, second, the seventh blessing here. Uh, the seventh um, explanation of who he is is he is reconciler. He is reconciler. So that means that by him, God has ordained to reconcile all things to himself by Christ. Now, this does not mean that, that everybody will be saved like the universalists say. That is not accurate. It is not true. They are wrong, wrong, wrong. Because God is not going to save people against their will. Can you imagine uh, God saving people against their will? Yeah, he, he could not you know, woo them to love him, you know. Uh, you know, he, he could not, uh, as it were, be, be ir irresistible to them so he had to force them. That's not God. That's not heaven. No, heaven would become hell if that were the case. It's not the case. So those of us who, who will... God saves. He says, he says, whomsoever will, he, whomever will, whoever comes, whoever just willingly comes to God, he will save that person. And so the church is made up of, of whosoever will, folks. All right? Whosoever will, folks. And so, but God is going to uh, reconcile everything um, on earth, everything in heaven. He's going to reconcile that to himself. And, and he never says that he's going to reconcile those things under the earth. Uh, he's not going to reconcile those beings who are waiting on the great white throne judgment. No, they're not going to be reconciled. They will be punished because they have said to God while they live that we don't want you. We don't want you. So the goodness of God, as we sang today, is running after them. But they say, we don't want you. Don't you what, what about we don't want you? Don't you understand? That's actually what they're saying. And at some juncture, God says, okay, you don't want me, then I will give you what you want. But that is not for the church, no, because we have been wooed by God, and uh, we, are, we are now experiencing the love of God and everything that God has, has had for us and does have for us. We are understanding that. Okay, in Colossians chapter 1, verse verses 26 and 27, by the way, I did say we are understanding that. We're coming into a greater knowledge of that. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, he talks about a mystery. He says, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So this, the mystery which has been hidden. So the mystery, we have to find out what is the mystery. The mystery is something once concealed, but now revealed. So, so the, this mystery, uh, which was hidden from ages, from generations, has now been revealed to the saints. Uh, to the saints, God willed something. Paul declared that the fullness of this mystery is found only in Christ. So we're going to explore that. 
Paul says the fullness of this mystery, uh, Christ in you, is now found in Christ. So, so let's see what happens here. Uh, when he, Paul says this was hidden from ages, it means periods of our past history. Uh, and also it means, by extension, periods uh, of the future. And uh, it says it's, it's a particular course. It's a particular, as it were, time period. For, and from generations, it also means um, that from nations, it was hidden from, it was hidden also from time, and it was hidden from people and people groups. And so, but what did God want us to know? What did God want us to know as the church? To them, to, to us, God willed to make known something. So the church was unknown, one was unknown throughout the whole Old Testament. The church, nobody knew of the church. Yeah, we knew that, or they knew that Gentiles would be saved, <clears throat> but Gentiles who were saved under the Old Covenant were always inferior to the Jews. They were always inferior to the Jews. But Paul tells us that now this amazing mystery is being disclosed or, or unveiled to the church. So since the church is Christ's body, which resulted from the death of the Lord on the cross, it could not have been in the Old Testament. So I know that sometimes when we preach, we say the church in the wilderness. What we mean is the congregation in the wilderness. They were God's people, and they were a congregation, but they were not the church. Because the church is a unique body. It is the body of Christ. So this mystery was not that Gentiles would be saved, but that, but that they would be fellow heirs with Jews, into, in the glory of God. Jew, believing Jews and believing Gentiles would share the same body. And there would be no middle wall or partition. Well, the Jews on one side and the Gentiles on the other. So the church is a marvelous mystery. So in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, Paul tells us that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise, of God's promises, in Christ through the gospel. So what that means is that God has promised something to those who would believe in his son. It's amazing. We were all sinners deserving of eternal death. And God said something like this. I so love you that I'm going to give my only son, my only begotten son. If you'll believe in him, I'll forgive you of your sins. I'll save you and I'll give you eternal life. That's huge. That's so huge. And so that invitation is for whosoever will, wherever you are. You can come to God through Jesus Christ. You can come to God through Jesus Christ. And so he says, he says now this church body is now a partaker of God's promises through Christ. And we're going to look at, at what that means. God has chosen to make known this mystery to the New Testament saints. He willed to reveal his eternal purpose with all of its riches. And when we say with all of its riches, uh, I want to just tell you what it is. Let me just tell you what the riches are right now, and then we'll talk about it. All of God's riches, you can find them. You can locate them in one person, Jesus Christ. So all of God's riches are in one place. 
You know, can you imagine if I had the wealth that God had, I would put some here, some there, some everywhere, you know, but God doesn't have to because no one can approach God and take something from him. That's why you and I can, can be uh, assured that God is, has saved us, is saving us, will save us, and eternally we will be with him. But it means divine effulgence or effulgence. I don't want, I want to give you that word. I didn't have to give you that word, but I want you to have that word, effulgence. And what that effulgence means is blazing splendor. Oh, yeah. Well, why didn't you just say that, Pastor John? No, I want you to know what effulgence is. It's blazing splendor, uh, amazing splendor. It's brightness taken to an extreme. Wow. It's like brighter than the sun. Wow. Can you imagine? And, and so in, this is what that looks like. And so he has desired to uh, share that with us. It is... Uh, Brightness so extreme, you're dazzled by it. You're stunned by it. And you could even be overcome by it. Sometimes in church services around the world, and here in the, in, in the States, uh, sometimes people get so excited, they're overcome by the, the presence of God. But now the church, the visible church says, shh, 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 don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, 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 don't do that. Uh, we have to conduct ourselves more properly. No, no, they're in the very presence of divine effulgence, blazing splendor. They're overcome by it, and sometimes we ought to be overcome by it. If we are not overcome by the presence of God, then maybe what we are, what we are ex, uh, experiencing is not God. I've been overcome by the presence of God myself. No, I didn't go around posting it on Facebook. <laughs> but I was overcome by the presence of God. You know, the amazing thing is that uh, this is now, all of this is now revealed to the Gentiles or among the Gentiles. Uh, who, uh, uh, whereas before, God's, all God's special revelation went to the Jews. Now, this is, this is not replacement theology, so don't, 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 don't get your dander up. It's not replacement theology. I'm just saying to you that this was, was revealed among Gentiles, among you, among folks who were Gentile dogs, as it were, ancestors. They weren't fit, you know, for the things of God. And so now God says, he's amazing. He's amazing. Wow, he's amazing. I, I just want to worship him. He's amazing. He has revealed these things now among us. And, and this is what is so big, uh, so, so powerful, that those of us Gentiles who once were far off have been brought near through what? The blood of Jesus Christ. We have been brought near. Now you see how powerful the blood that saved you is, the blood that saved you of sin, uh, saved you from sin, brought you into the very presence of the holy God, brought you near God. Wow, that blood that can remove sin brought you near to God. Thank you, Jesus. And you and I, our ancestors, were without hope and without God. But we've now been given hope, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, we have been given hope, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the church, this is what the, who the church is. This is what the church is. And uh, because, he says, because of the glorious riches, you know, then now we have these, because of these glorious riches, that now we are something different. And now we are indwelt by Christ, the hope of glory. That's amazing. All of us, we're indwelt by Christ, the hope of glory. 
and Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Wow. So he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things, not some things, not most things, all things have become new. So the church is a new kind of organism. Hallelujah, somebody. And he says to us, uh, and, and Christ is in this body, is in this body. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 tells us that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Somebody accused me of saying that I was saved before the foundation of the world. No, I said he chose us in Christ. He chose us before he even made the world. He chose us before he made the world. He chose you before he made the world. And you are proof that no weapon formed against you can prosper. You are proof that no one can snatch you out of his hand. That's what the church is. The church is an unshakable entity. You and I have received a kingdom that not will not be shaken, but cannot be shaken. That's the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm just saying, act like it. That's what I'm saying. Act like it. Stop being swayed by the internet chatter. Stop being swayed by opinions on Facebook or the news. Be the church of Jesus Christ. You should not be subject to those things. You have one person to be subject to, that's God through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, somebody. Wow, this is amazing. Well, I'm excited. Now, see, I'm tell I told you this was bound to happen. Paul tells us in, in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, I was pausing there because I... Uh, was thinking about another verse. But he says, do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? I say that to those in my audience. Don't you know that Jesus is in you? Why do you look at other things as though they're so formidable, so formidable that you cannot overcome them, you cannot deal with them? Well, I just can't, I just can't, I just can't. Even if it's a drug ha uh, habit. If it's a drug habit, you can overcome it. If it's a sex habit, you can overcome it. If it's an anger habit, you can overcome it because greater is he who is within you than he who is in the world. We are the church of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, somebody. Wow. Now, verse Romans 9, 23 and 24 says, uh, the, the great scriptures, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he called not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Let me read that again. That, he, uh, that God might make known the riches of his glory. So God is, is infinitely rich. All of the wealth of the earth is not one scintilla of God's wealth. <laughs> because God's wealth is Jesus Christ. When God gave you Jesus, he didn't give you like, a few million dollars. He didn't, even, he didn't even give you a few billion dollars. When God gave you Jesus, he gave you the bank. That's what God did. You have the bank. You have the one who is everything. 
John tells us all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. This is amazing. This is the Jesus Christ who is, is the head of the church. The church, everything, that he's the head of the church. That means the body doesn't just do what he says. The body is part and parcel of the head. Hallelujah. See, you and I are not a headless organism. And Jesus is not a bodiless God. He's amazing. I want you to know who you are. And know the great lengths to which God went to save you. And to make you his own. Glory. What do we talk about glory? I just want to put it in, 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 in some terminology that you can grasp. But, but when we talk about glory, we, it, it, we talk about weight, weighty things. And for example, when I was a little boy growing up, we would uh, raise these crops, peas and beans and corn and various things. And, and it's like taking the corn off the stalk with a shuck on it but removing the shuck and then taking the grain off the cob and whatever residual little particles of, of shuck or husk is there, you would take it and, and pour it from one pail to the other and let the wind blow all the chaff away. And what's la- left is glory. Or you would take the peas, we would put them in a burlap bag, the black-eyed peas, for example. We would let them dry on the vine. We would put them in a burlap bag. We would beat the burlap bag until uh, the peas were released from the shuck. And, and so we would take it and we would take that and pour it in a big a container and the wind would blow it away. If the wind were, uh, was too still or just faint, we would take a, some kind of a, of a piece of cardboard or something and, and wave it and make us some wind so it would blow all the chaff away and what's left is the glory. And so after all that we go through in this life, what's left is what God has done. It's the glory. So glory is dignity. It is honor. It is praise. It's worship. It's thanksgiving. It's magnificence. It's great beauty. It's something highly renowned, well known and thought of. It is something of honor, uh, won by notable achievements, a thing of distinct beauty or or respect or delight, something to be taken pleasure in. And so what, what we find here is that you and I, or have been made known uh, the glory of God, or we have, been, we have been made, the glory of God has been made known to us, and we now too are the glory of God through Jesus Christ. So both are true. So, so then what we're finding here is that God's goodness came to us through Jesus Christ, that, and this goodness is that we will share in the dignity of the Lord, the splendor of the Lord, all of his glory forever and ever. We will share in, into this great blessing of who Jesus is, his great and incomparable beauty. And so how do I know that? Because Colossians 3, 4 says, your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Romans 5, 2 says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace uh, in which we stand. 
and we rejoice in hope of the glory. And so Paul says, we are rejoicing in hope of the glory, that one day we will be clothed with the majesty of heaven, with the glory of Jesus Christ, all that he is. That's the church of the living God. And we're not whimpering and whining, trying to get through somehow. Hallelujah. That's not who we are. And I say to you, stop being something lesser. Stop being less than who you are. God has defined you through the Son, and he has defined you by the Son. What he has done, he has placed in you all of his glory. You can't see it yet, but we have this treasure in jars of clay, in earthen vessels, so that it would be evident to all that the excellence is where? Of God and not ourselves. Wow. Just amazing. This is, who, this is who the church is, so don't, don't give me this pity thing. I know every one of us goes through something at some juncture in our lives. We'll go through something difficult, but don't stay there. <laughs> you go through it. If I may just say this, you know, if you're going through uh, difficulty, if you're going through, say, the rivers of life and there are flesh-eating fish, don't stop there and whine. Keep going. We're the church, unbeatable, unstoppable, unshakable. We're the church of the living God. Jesus says no, no weapon formed against it would prosper. Mm. So Paul tells us in Romans 8, 18, it says, I reckon, I consider, I reckon, I like the word reckon. I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So God hasn't let us see the glory yet. Well, we see bits and pieces of it, but this glorious majesty is mind-boggling. Hallelujah, it's mind-boggling. So I, I want to reiterate, Christ is the riches of the mystery. Christ is the, is the riches of the mystery. Christ is the glory of the mystery. Can you imagine that God were placed in vessels of clay, God? Can you imagine? Can you imagine the generosity of God? And here we are complaining about being shut in, isolated. Wow. Isolated. It's crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm off the chain now. It's crazy. It's crazy. Have I been a little crazy? Yes, I have too. Not recently. Not recently. So Paul tells us in verse 28 of Colossians 1, he's speaking of Christ, he says, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. So Paul's goal is to bring us all to perfection. And that's what I do while I preach the gospel. And I tell people things, I tell, I preach the gospel, they keep doing the wrong thing. I say, don't get involved in all this worldly junk. Democrats and Republicans and independents and trying to save America and America's this. Come on. You belong to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Do I love America? Absolutely. Do I love Americans? Absolutely. But do I love Mexicans? Absolutely. Do I, do I love Nicaraguans? Absolutely. Do I love Chinese and Russians? Yes. That's the love of God. That's the love of God. I don't have to go along with you. But I'm not a part of that craziness, that madness, 
And what we try to do is find a way to justify our ungodly positions when we have been given the kingdom. Because Christ is the kingdom. He, he, he created it. And he is the one who holds it together. Hallelujah, somebody. Let me give you a little story quickly. When my wife and I were younger, pastoring this church, after we had founded the church, she would always, on special days, holidays, uh, you know, she'd always tell people, come, to, come by the house and have dinner with us. You know, Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving dinner. And uh, she would always bring people over. Sometimes she'd bring so many people, say, hey, we're not going to have room to put them. But she would still bring them away, all, all over. I remember one time after one of our meetings, and I don't have permission to tell you who this was, so I won't tell you, but after one of our meetings, several, several of the young people, after they had eaten sufficiently, they went to another brother's house, and uh, they were going to go to a movie after that. They said, well, let's go to this movie. And they went to this movie. Well, the following day, the young man came up to me, and he, he just exclaimed, Pastor! You didn't tell me that brother so-and-so is rich. He said, Pastor, he's rich. You never told me. I said to him in a joking way, I said, you were just at my house. You never thought I was rich. I said, you never said that. What's the difference? And we had a hearty laugh. But you will never, ever, you will never, ever be able to say that I didn't tell you that you are rich that you are rich in Jesus Christ. I, you, will, I will, you will never be able to say that I didn't tell you that your father owns everything. Your savior owns everything. He says everything the father has is mine. And I want you to know what that is. He's amazing. You'll never be able to say that, that I didn't tell you that. You'll never be able to say it. Now, God has made you eternally wealthy in Christ. Eternally wealthy in Christ. The Father has given you true wealth, true riches, riches that will never lose value because they are not based on scarcity. I love economics, and economics is a discipline that, that is showing us how to share a scarcity of resources. You see, over there where we are going, we will never have to manage a scarcity of resources. Because the Ancient of Days, Yahweh, our God and Father, is there, and He has promised then it's impossible for him to lie. He has promised that my God shall supply all your need according to his glory, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He has promised that God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he has promised that he has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. There will be no market crashes there. There will be no manipulation of interest rates. There will be no need to hoard. There will be no armed gunmen trying to intimidate governmental officials because they are afraid of an economic meltdown. Because Christ himself is our guarantor. Now Christians are forfeiting that for something that can be stolen, taken away by the manipulation of men, wicked men. But he, Christ, why? He, Christ, has the power of an endless life. He continues forever, the scripture says. He has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he lives forever, since he always lives to make intercession. Hallelujah. God has chosen to give you all of this. 
He's chosen to give you the bank of heaven. And right now, presently, you, you the church, are an unbeatable entity. But what are you showing the world? How far have you fallen? How far have you fallen in majesty and splendor? to take part and try to fight to keep what God is getting rid of. I say, que lastima, que vergüenza. What a pity, what a shame. You are the church of the living God. And upon this rock, Jesus builds his church. You're built upon Jesus. You're indwelt by Jesus. And the gates of hell, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you, shall not prevail against your children, shall not prevail against your children's children. In Jesus' name. Now, I know that's a lot to give you. Maybe you're in the audience today and you're, you're not born again, not a believer. Don't you, don't you go away without becoming a believer. This is what I want you to do. The, the uh, Romans tells us, chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 tells us that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. You will be saved. And all that I've preached about will be yours forever and ever. The scripture tells us, fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Not, not a little corner, not a little cabin, the kingdom. And you can have that. He says, for with the heart one believes to righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. And whoever calls upon the, Lord, the, the name of the Lord will be saved. You can do that right now. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll come back right after this song.